Coming to you from deep inside the vaults of the Holmes Archive of Electronic Music, here is Tom Holmes, your curator and guide to vintage electronic music and audio experimentation. This episode, Women in Synthesis, Part 1. some 28 miles or so from Piccadilly Circus. I'm Daphne Oren, the director of the studio, and I'd rather like to introduce you to some of the very varied sort of soundtracks which are produced at my studio. Here's a track for a commercial about power tools, pneumatic drills and saws, and spray guns, etc. The real sounds of the tools are here electronically treated and mixed with some rather light-hearted electronic music, which I specially composed to fit them. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining me. Women have always played an important role in the technical and artistic development of electronic music. However, for several decades of the earlier timeline of electronic music history, women were seldom recognized for their contributions to composing, performing, and producing in this field. These accomplishments went largely underreported from the dawn of electronic tape music in the 1950s through the 1970s, a time when equipment and studios suddenly became affordable to independent musicians. Prior to that, women who pursued careers in electronic music were often held back and left unrecognized by the male-run institutions that directed the electronic music studios ran the record companies, produced the music, and booked the performances. This happened in jazz. It also happened in classical music composition. And it certainly happened in the field of electronic music during the post-World War II era. There are some truly remarkable exceptions, of course. Wendy Carlos, Ruth White, Eliane Radig, Daphne Oram, Teresa Rampazzi, and Delia Derbyshire all achieved recognition for their remarkable work in the late 1960s and early 70s, long before such recognition for women in electronic music would become more usual. In a sense, we have two histories of women in electronic music. There was the pre-1980 era when recognition was guarded by the male infrastructure that dominated the field. But then the doors began to widen. In the period since the late 1980s, after technology was liberated from the cost constraints of earlier eras, the world of electronic music was freed of the institutions and practiced by largely independent musicians, performers, composers, and producers from every walk of life. In this first episode of a series with several parts, I want to feature three women who were pioneers in electronic music. Daphne Oram from the UK, 
Teresa Rampazzi from Italy, and Ruth White from the United States. What these three women have in common is that they forged their own singular careers by establishing production companies and studios around which they could establish their own musical identities. While we listen to several works by each of these three women in this podcast, my more extensive notes about their careers and accomplishments can be read on my blog for the Bob Moog Foundation, to which you will find a link on the podcast website. First, a few words about Daphne Oram, Teresa Rampazzi, and Ruth White. Daphne Oram was born in 1925 and passed in 2003. She was a classically trained musician employed by the BBC in the late 1950s as a studio manager and engineer. Oram had schooled herself in the techniques of creating tape music by visiting Pierre Schaeffer at his Music Concrete studio in Paris. Even before the BBC Radiophonic Workshop opened, Oram had distinguished herself by composing the music for an original television drama, Amphitryon 38, in 1957, the first piece of electronic music composed for a television program in the United Kingdom. Having no dedicated studio facilities in which to create this work, Oram composed after hours by wrangling the gear she needed from various studios in the building. The tape piece was composed entirely between midnight and 4 a.m. once the other studios had gone off the air for the night. Oram composed her landmark work using several sine wave generators, a tape recorder, and homemade audio filters. Oram's personal musical ambitions led to a quick departure from the workshop in 1959 over artistic differences. The BBC viewed the workshop primarily as a special effects factory, whereas Oram sought to establish an experimental laboratory for making exclusively electronic musical works like her peers in France, Germany, and the United States. In 1959, Oram founded her own independent production company to produce a broader, more diverse range of sonic experiments for music, television, and motion pictures, her Oramix Studios for Electronic Composition, located in Kent, immediately took on many media and film-related projects such as sound effects and music for science fiction movies. Among her personal projects was the invention of an early synthesizer that produced electronic sounds by optically scanning hand-drawn images on sprocketed loops of clear 35-millimeter film. The Oramix machine, as she called it, included 10 such film loops that could be synchronously programmed, each equivalent to a recording track with added control functions. The opaque images on the loops modulated a stream of light that was transformed into voltages by the photocells. The voltages then triggered sound-generating oscillators, filters, and envelope shapers to create the music, Introduced in 1962, the Oramix machine was extraordinarily complicated to use. Oram continually made improvements. Only a handful of composers used the instrument before it was overshadowed by a new generation of easier-to-use voltage-controlled synthesizers, such as those made by Robert Moog. But Oram continued to produce music using the Oramix instrument found success as an independent composer of electronic music 
and was working on a digital version of Oramix before she was slowed by a severe stroke in the 1990s. We will listen to several works created by Oram using the Oramix machine. With the Oramix machine, Oram had succeeded in solving one of the major obstacles to composing electronic music at the time, writing or notating ideas for synthetic sounds that could be faithfully reproduced by a sound-generating instrument. The significance and originality of her contribution was on a par with contemporary attempts at the Columbia Princeton Electronic Music Center in New York and Siemens Corporation in Munich, where they could pre-program electronic music sequences using punched paper tape as a control medium. Oram's work was unique, however, in combining the concept of the graphical score, which had been pioneered by such composers as Stockhausen, Verres, and Zanakis, with a direct means for converting drawn images into electronically generated musical sound. This was so far ahead of its time that the rest of the world did not catch up with Oram until the introduction of interactive computer composition in the early 1980s. It was during that time, some 20 years later, that instruments such as the Fairlight computer music instrument provided a means for drawing and editing wave shapes by hand, a routine feature of many software-based synthesizer programs produced since 1990. From Daphne Oram in the UK, we go to Teresa Rampazzi in Italy. Teresa Rampazzi was born in 1914 and passed in 2001. She was a contemporary of Oram who worked in Padua, Italy. Italy had one of the leading institutional electronic music studios in the late 1950s, the RAI, the Studio di Fonologia Musicale in Milan. The RAI studio was dominated by male composers and directors, essentially offering its facilities to established male artists so they could dabble in electronic music. Women and men who were interested in exploring aesthetic paths of their own with little artistic interference from the national broadcasting system began to open their own private studios. Rampazzi founded her private studio, Nuove Proposte Sonore, in Padua, with visual artist Inio Shigio, Equipped with little more than an audio oscillator and monophonic tape recorder, they began to explore the development of organically complex collage pieces and experimental music. The work of this studio was quite varied and often associated with exhibitions and the work of visual artists. Rampazzi continued to compose and work there until 1972 when she took a teaching position as professor of electronic music at the Padova Conservatory, one of the first electronic music studio courses offered in Italy. Rampazzi was also associated with the Institute of Sonology in Utrecht at the Catholic University in Washington, at the Electronic Music Studio in Stockholm, and at the Department of Computer Music at the University of Pisa at the CSC Computer Music Center, where she explored the use of a light pen to compose music. Unlike her male composer friends at the RAI and other studios in Italy, Rampazzi's electronic music more freely explored sound densities, drones, textures, and the possibilities of treating sound sources through many variations. Her legacy of music, composed primarily between 1960 and 1980, 
is surprisingly timeless stylistically, sounding entirely contemporary in its contemplations of slowly changing sonorities and timbres. In the three works featured in this podcast, you can hear Rampazzi's fascination with gradually changing transformations. The first piece was composed using analog means for an art installation, and the second two works were created using computer composition. Moving on from Europe to the United States, we will listen to some of the work of Ruth White. Ruth White was born in 1925 and passed in 2013. She was a gifted musician, trained in piano, violin, cello, harp, clarinet, and horn. Composing was also a strong suit with White, and she sought to break some of the traditional rules of musical form that had been established in classical music. She found an outlet for this creativity in electronic music. Her career is framed by the production of educational records for children, although from the years 1968 to 1970, she produced three totally original albums for the Moog synthesizer in her own studio. After that, she founded her own film production company called Ruth White Films to explore the emerging market for videotape productions and continued to work on educational books and records under the names Tom Thumb Productions and Rhythms Productions. Ruth purchased her Moog Modular Synthesizer in February 1968, about two weeks before Mort Garson. It was the 29th Moog sold by that time, and the vast majority of sales up until then were to universities, advertising agencies, and commercial recording studios. White was among the first nine individual artists to invest in a synthesizer, a short list that also included Wendy Carlos, The Monkees, Gershon Kingsley, and Emerson Myers. White's first two albums were self-produced and released on the Limelight label, a division of Philips in the United States that had already released collections of European music and pop electronics from the era before the synthesizer. Her third album was released on the Angel Records label, the multinational brand associated with classical music. White did everything to produce these albums, but designed the record covers. She produced, engineered, played the instruments, operated the tape recorders, and wrote the liner notes. We will hear three works from her first Moog album, Seven Trumps from the Tarot Cards. So let's get started with Women in Synthesis Part 1 by listening to some examples of electronic music by Daphne Oram, Teresa Rampazzi, and Ruth White on the Archive of Electronic Music. This is Tom Holmes. Thank you. 
You are listening to Women in Synthesis, Part 1, on the Archive of Electronic Music. This is Tom Holmes.
And with that work by Ruth White, we conclude this episode called Women in Synthesis, Part 1, a sampling of electronic music from three of the important women pioneers in the field, Daphne Oram, Teresa Rampazzi, and Ruth White. You are listening to the Archive of Electronic Music, and this is Tom Holmes. Details about all of the music can be found in the playlist on the podcast website. Check out my blog for the Bob Moog Foundation, for which there is a link on my podcast website. A transcript of notes for the program are found on my blog, Noise and Notations, located at tomholmes.com. If you would like to learn more about the history of electronic music, please read my book, Electronic and Experimental Music, published by Routledge in print or as an ebook. You may also want to read my book about sound art, also available from Routledge. If you enjoyed this podcast, I invite you to explore our library of past episodes. They span many genres, technologies, and artists associated with electronic music, from symphonic rock to music for meditation all inspired by vintage recordings from my archives. So long for now, from the Archive of Electronic Music. All of the music heard on this podcast is brought to you from the Holmes Archive of Electronic Music, a curated collection of vintage recordings. For a complete playlist, go to thehomesarchive.podbean.com. All crackles, surface noise, and other imperfections heard in this podcast are purely intentional. All intro, outro, and other incidental music is by Tom Holmes, unless otherwise noted in the playlist. For notes about this episode, please see the blog Noise and Notations at TomHolmes.com. So long from the Holmes Archive of Electronic Music.